Hi everybody, you are listening to the Rogue Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rogue bondage. Rogue bondage is edge play with inherent risk. And we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a team <coughs> and we're rope partners and we've been practicing together for a couple of years. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you and we live in Thailand. So Maya, I, I hear they have this thing in kink called parties. I believe that's true, yeah. Um, that sounds that sounds nice and fun. So what what do people do at those party things? Uh, well, kink parties can uh, range from just hanging out to um, let's say more salacious activities. Oh, salacious! That sounds like a word that's a lot of, worth a lot of points. Um, do people ever do rope there? I believe they do. Yeah, rope is definitely one of the things that you might find at a party. In fact, in some places where there are a lot of riggers, which is not Thailand, uh, <laughs> then they have, um, we have enough. parties which uh, are just rope. Okay, that sounds pretty exciting. So, uh, why would you do rope at a party, Maya? There are actually a lot of reasons to do rope at a party, and I uh, note that that was the first place that I would say I did very sceny type rope and the reason for that is because I didn't have a partner that tied and I didn't really know very many people that tied um, in a more sceny way so my friends were more practicing so the first time I went to a party it was to uh, actually meet people to do rope with okay that sounds uh, that sounds interesting um, how, how do you connect with rope people when you show up at a party uh, you talk to them like humans. <laughs> um, I, when I went to that party, I asked people who did rope. Um, and as we have discussed many times on this podcast, um, that was an auction. So that was an easier way to connect. Yeah. Um, but you can also just uh, talk to the person in charge and say, who does rope here? Um, you can watch people. Uh, and I think we've talked about finding partners to do rope, and I think we've talked mm -hmm. about parties. Um, so I'll put the episode in the show notes for that. Um, so yeah, meeting meeting someone who ties, or if you're a rigger, then um, meeting uh, rope bottoms um, is definitely one of the ways. Okay. Um, or you might want to tie with new people. So um, both of us tie with new people at parties to get different rope experiences. Mm -hmm. um, it also can feel safer uh, to tie at a party, particularly with someone new. Um, and I will say that was that was also the case for me. So I had a lot of friends at that party, um, and I trusted the people around me to, I guess, uh, back me up if there was any any issue. So you have a um, a safety net for doing work with someone the first time, and okay. of course you can see them tie before you actually tie with them. So there's a lot of good reasons to um, meet rope partners, rope partners at a party. Okay, so that would be value on a one-on-one -on -one basis, having this access to um, more rope players you can potentially play with and having sure. this safety aspect. Um, is there any value in the fact that other people are going to be there besides the person you're going to play with? Yeah, I think that's um, a great point. So uh, for some people, they like to share their rope and their scenes with other people. So 
Um, that might be about connecting with others and sharing the experience with them of a particular tie. Um, for some people, and I think uh, there are definitely some both extroverts but also exhibitionists, which are two different things, who like the energy of the audience, who feed off the energy of people watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might also get some nice photos if there's a pro photography there. So if you've seen at home with your partner, then probably a lot of the time it's quite hard to get photos mid tie um but at a party you might have someone um and if you do they might be cell phone photos that are maybe not as good looking as photos taken by a professional right for sure for sure so i think that there were some scenes that might need an audience so what kind of scenes might they be fox uh well clearly if you have an exhibitionism um dynamic going on you need someone to exhibit to right yeah Uh, and that can be for instance and that's not the only way but that's what comes to mind immediately a scene where you present your bottom in rope to the audience and you can play with exposure Mm -hmm. Uh, keeping in mind of course that you will have pre-negotiated with your bottom what is acceptable for them uh, you can play around embarrassment, um, disrobing them slowly while they're in rope. There's a, there's a lot of that in Japanese rope bondage. This, uh, this idea of revealing your bottom's body to the audience and creating um, sensations and feelings of embarrassment in them. Mm. So there's a kind of exhibitionism piece and a bit of a edging towards humiliation piece. And in fact, you humiliation can, you can definitely do also. In you, you can go quite far into humiliation because rope can be a really strong tool of body modification. And you can play with your bottom's body image in that way. Um, can you say more about that? Yeah. Um, you can tie people in a way that completely transforms the shape of their body. And that is something that can be a potent tool if you want to go into humiliation play, or maybe not as far as humiliation, but playing with their pride. And some people, and I think you're among them, Maya, find, for instance, that face rope can be challenging to have in public. Yeah, for sure. It's very intimate, face rope. Uh, And so... Uh, depending on who's around. Uh, um, uh, but I do love face rope, so it's an interesting one. Okay. Um, you can also use rope for humiliation by hobbling the person and, for instance, making them unable to move normally and having to like crawl around the party space. If yes. you do that, you have to be really mindful of their safety. Like if they're going anywhere near glasses and bottles, anywhere near stairs and so on, and you've altered their balance with rope, you really need to be on top of it and be right next to them and preferably holding them in some fashion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we played with someone, uh, one of our friends, in that way recently at a party, didn't we? Uh, Yes, we did. We tied her wrists to her ankles on both sides, which uh, leaves you with your only way to walk some kind of a duck waddle, I would describe it, but maybe you would find better words. No, I think that's a good description. (laughs) And, uh, well, she is someone who enjoys humiliation play, and I think think that was successful for her in that way, because, yeah, when you're being led around in uh, that kind of gait, it's it's potent, for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. And what about including the audience in the scene? How how might we do that? Because it seems like some scenes you could use the audience. Uh, if it's appropriate and it's negotiated with your bottom, uh, and also actually, if you're doing it in a way that is also consensual for the audience itself, because pressuring people into participating in your play if they don't want to is also a consent violation. Yeah, yeah. That being said, uh, there are ways, and we've done it in the past, of inviting members of the audience to come and participate in your scene in a negotiated consensual way. And the way we did it in the case I have in mind is we tied the bottom inside a cage and we briefed people at the start of the party uh, about what was okay or not okay to do to her and given that they would remain within that framework they could touch her through the bars of the cage in certain ways and play with her in certain ways and obviously uh, we were both next to her for the whole time monitoring the experience and we would mm -hmm. have intervened if things had gotten out of hand. Yeah, yeah. And you can also feed off the energy of other people doing rope around you so it doesn't have to necessarily be them within your scene, right? Yeah, it could be side by side. We also had a great experience at one of our parties here where we had more riggers than usual. Uh, if I recall, we had four or five riggers playing at the same time. Uh, and we've got this really nice photo of everyone sharing the same space and like several suspensions and rope scenes going on at the same time. And uh, we should probably link that, that photo in the sure, show notes because no it's, uh, it's, it's one I like a lot with like all the people playing with rope at the same time in a not so big space, but uh, the frame was large enough that multiple scenes could happen on it at the same time and there was a lot of buzz in the room. Mm -hmm. So that actually leads to another reason why you might do rope at a party, right Fox? The access to hardware that you don't have at home. Uh, yes, especially if you're interested in doing suspensions, not everyone has a hard point in their home. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I'm in the middle of a move myself, so I don't currently have a hard point, although one will be built shortly, I'm sure. Uh, it is quite nice to have access to special furniture, special toys you don't have. If your parties happen in a dungeon kind of setting, there's probably both hard points and toys that you may be able to borrow. Um, if your parties are in a hotel, it's less likely to be the case. Yeah, yeah. And what about furniture? Uh, furniture you can actually uh, use in pretty interesting ways and you can allow yourself to be creative with it. For instance, uh, at one house party we were at, there was a cage and some people were using the cage uh, in a more traditional way by putting people in it. <laughs> Whereas in our scene we used the cage as scaffolding and tied to the exterior of the cage, to the top surface and to the sides. Mm. And that allows actually some quite interesting positions because you can then use the bars as places to attach a rope to and yeah, create uh, interesting uh, mechanics. Mm. Mm. So how is a rope at a party different from rope at home? I figure there must be some differences. Uh, yeah, it's, for starters there's a big difference between being in private and having an audience which can put on you a pressure, like you feel you have to perform. Uh, perform both in the sense of looking good, you might be more preoccupied with how you look because well, people are looking, taking photographs, maybe talking about your scene, 
uh, hopefully not in a loud disruptive yeah. way but you know that, that happens also uh, and also you can feel the pressure to perform in the technical sense that people will be looking they will be judging your rope they will saying oh that guy looks like he's like fumbling with his rope he doesn't look very good and then you some people like can get anxious about that and then it's a vicious circle because you feel like people are judging you so then you're more stressed so then you fuck up more so then they judge you more and so on and so forth um, you can also be judged on the safety of your scene uh, and I guess in some cases that can be a good thing if you're about to do something stupid and someone like points it out to you and prevents an accident but also what can happen is you have a DM who means well but does not know a lot about rope and he sees your scene and he interrupts saying oh you shouldn't do it that way where in fact you know better because you're more experienced you've talked with your partner you know what you're doing and then you have someone coming from outside and interrupting your scene uh, for what they believe to be a safety problem even though that's not necessarily the case um, and I think the same goes for for bottoms in terms of being preoccupied by how they look. There are there are certainly scenes that I would and positions I would prefer not to do at a party because I don't want to I don't want to be in public in that way. For so sure. can you give an example of a thing that feels like no, that for you? No, I don't want to <laughs> because the whole point of them being things that I don't really want to do. But I have as many women and indeed men do some body image issues okay. um, mild though they may be and there were some like positions that I just don't you don't you want to be public. seen okay in those positions yeah, yeah because they put sense. because they put me in a position where I don't feel good about myself um, and and so that's gonna you know, impact yeah. my you, you also have to decide how much you care about what the audience will sure. think because what feels good in a scene and what is enjoyed by an audience are two completely different things yeah very much so and and we've had that example recently right with um, doing a different kind of scene than we normally do um, um, yeah. trying out a different thing so yeah we usually do things that are more on the tender intimate side and that tends to uh, put certain audiences ill at ease like they feel like they shouldn't be watching uh, and in fact quite often they remove themselves from the room while we're seeing because yeah. they don't like watching this, that so much this uh, is interesting, I think. whereas the other day uh, the last party we attended we did something that was a lot more resistant with a consensual non-consent vibe and essentially everyone gave us feedback uh, during and the next day that it was awesome to watch and it was like super sexy and interesting and dynamic so they they liked it a lot more as a show yeah. Uh, yeah which doesn't mean we don't like our tender intimate rope but it's just not what people want to watch yeah and so I think that's an interesting thing and we talk about this in a bit like what what you want out of the audience and, and how you react to them. Okay. And, and to be clear, there's nothing wrong with wanting to show off. Uh, I For think sure. like if you're skilled, either as a rigger, you can tie amazing ties or you're a super awesome bottom that can do like super nice positions or like 
uh, and your super difficult suspensions. There is nothing wrong with you wanting to show sure, off to your friends. Although, bear in mind, your audience might not realize how difficult your suspensions are. Also that. <laughs> until something that I would say. <laughs> until they try it, and then, yeah. and then they realize pretty fast. Uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting to show off, but there's also nothing wrong with wanting to play for yourself and your partner and just focus on the feelings. Yeah. And if the audience doesn't like it, then fuck them. Yeah. So how else is um, rope at a party different from rope at home? Uh, well, there could be uh, a special someone in attendance, and that can be a friend, and maybe it can be awkward being tied in front of your good friend, like give you a different uh, headspace. Um, your romantic partner could be there also. Sure. And Many then, signs for uh, yeah, and then you can be like getting tied in front of your significant other, and that can provoke feelings in you and that can provoke feelings in them and then you may have anxiety about how they feel are they going to be okay like it can add a whole new layer on top of things is what i mean sure sure and we talked about um having lovely photos uh but the flip side of lovely photos is you don't have control over other people and even if there are rules about not taking photos it's still a risk that you're taking yeah hopefully not one that people will um if, uh, if there's a photo of you tied up naked with a butt plug in your ass circulating on the internet, you might have a bad Monday at the office. You might indeed. Um, and so there are a number of factors that you can't really control at a party. That's one of them. Um, also the logistics, right? So um, you have to work within what's there. And also, and this we've come up against a lot um, due to... Um, the fact that we have a very small party space, mm -hmm. uh, timing timing your scene. So if, as we do, you only have one frame or one hard point, then you, you have to kind of build your scene around other people's scene and, and be respectful of the space. Yeah, absolutely. You have to keep in mind that in a party, you're sharing the space with a bunch of other people who probably want to play also. And in my experience, rope tend to be among the longest scenes uh, while other people might want to do a 15-20 minutes impact scene, a rope scene can easily be an hour, 90 minutes and so on. So you have to be mindful, A, of other people, so you're not like rude to them and hugging the space for a very long time and no one else can play. And B, also be mindful of um, disruptions to your scene and leaving out enough time. Some parties have uh, events where they expect you to stop playing and go uh, like participate in something. So that's something to keep in mind also. So yeah, there are, there are constraints uh, on your space and your time for sure. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free, far from it actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases, and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. Sure. And you also, I think, have to have quite strong boundaries at parties um obviously for your personal space um for your scene and also for your uh, toys or your rope that you bought with yeah. you so i've seen you defend both your space your bottom and your kit many times yeah i have had to physically push people out of our scene space sometimes <laughs> at parties uh, i have had to ask people to 
like stop picking my, picking up my rope and carrying it around the room while we were singing, which is a bit um, dis, uh, distracting to say the least. Uh, and then you have safety issues of people walking in. We had one scene where after you came down from a hard suspension, people were basically treading on you. Yeah. Because it was a crowded, uh, dense floor kind of uh, space. Even though and also um, the cage scene that we did uh, was somewhat problematic because you tied me to the hinge of the cage and then someone tried to open the cage. Uh, yeah, and nearly broke my wrist. So yeah, that was... that was less than ideal. I had I had yeah. to use my big voice on that one. <laughs> yeah, and people, you know, what I found, and I think it's the same for you, is that no one is um, malicious in these circumstances. Um, it's people like not understanding where your space is, but the point is you have to be quite strong about boundaries. And so yeah. I think it's worth knowing that if you're if that's challenging for you as a person and you're going to play at a party because it is more challenging for me yeah and i feel glad that i'm playing with you and you have very strong boundaries so it's worth i think that's worth thinking about for sure yeah as a rigger you have to realize you're not responsible only for the rope you are also responsible for creating a safe environment for your bottom whilst she is disabled by the rope yeah yeah. Um, and also at a party, you might have a new rope partner. Yeah. Um, and the beautiful stranger. Is, yeah. And we've talked about this a lot in other episodes, but the difference is at a party is there might be alcohol. So you don't, you don't quite know what they've been, you know, a party atmosphere also has alcohol. So it's worth checking in uh, as to what they've consumed. Yeah. You can, you can have bad surprises like, as well, I think that's exacerbated maybe in our environment that is very international with uh, language differences and so on. Mm. And sometimes you start talking about a scene with someone and they seem fine, like you, you struggle a bit to understand their English or something. And then you start playing and it turns out they're drunk. And yeah. so you have to stop that play pretty uh, early in. Yeah, and if you're at a party, obviously your safety checks and your negotiation might be shorter if you've just met them on the night. And yeah, so and it might be, be um, it might be loud, uh, difficult to have uh, in-depth conversation. Maybe your 15 minutes of access to the frame are coming up, and you don't have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's that's actually why I very much like to pre-negotiate my play rather than pick up on the night of the party itself. Yeah, yeah, which is nice to do, but not always super easy. And sometimes you might know who's going. Like for me, there was a time when I knew a new rigger was going, and I wanted to play with them, but um, I hadn't really met them. So yeah. it was it's harder then to know well, what are my limits and what can I or can't I do. Yeah, especially if you're open to a potentially sexual play, but you can't really confirm that before having meeting a person in the flesh, can you? No, exactly. For yeah. me, chemistry is like super important, and so. And to be fair, yeah. even I, who is maybe uh, a bit more promiscuous than you are, I would not Just commit to uh, having sex with someone before meeting them in real life. Sure. Okay, so how can we make our party rope go well? How can how can we make it successful? Uh, let's see. I think you need to walk in with a clear idea of what you want. Do you want, as I said earlier, to impress your friends, to look awesome, to show off? Or do you want to create for yourself and your bottom a bubble of privacy inside that public space? And if people look from afar, it's okay, but you're not doing the scene for them. You're doing the scene for you. 
and what's your relation to the audience? Is the audience part of the scene? Is the audience more of a necessary evil because you want to tie on that beautiful suspension frame you don't have at home, <laughs> yeah. but you'd rather just be on your own with your bottom? Like, be clear and communicate also with your partner what your goals are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's really important if you can, uh, both in advance and on the day, to understand the space that you have and the party context, right? So what mm -hmm. kind of things would we explore, uh, Fox, with, with people, the, the DM or the organizer about um, the space? Well, if possible, I would ask in advance if I don't know the space already, because let's face it, uh, we tend to always have parties in the same dungeon space. So after a while, I know quite well its possibilities. But if I were to go play in a new place like that uh, pool party we had, uh, yeah. I checked with the organizer what the situation wise, suspension wise, and we identified together a structure uh, that was overhanging the pool and that could be used for suspensions and we tested it and found that it looked quite okay for suspension, which allowed us to do suspension over the water, which was kind of awesome. Yeah, it was very nice. It was very nice. Um, I would definitely recommend that even if uh, the organizer tell you that this is a hard point you can use for suspension, you check it out by yourself before you. Yeah, for it. sure. And hard points are difficult to assess. I mean, my um, perspective on this would be be aware of your risk profile there. Yeah, I would uh, say uh, I would say hard points assessment is more RAC than SSC in the sense that you can estimate, but you can never know for sure. Right, exactly. Hang and hanging off it, which is what people do, is like this kind of meaningless. Like you can hang off it for a minute as the rigor, but that's not everything. I would say it's not a guarantee. Um, mm. It's uh, a necessary but not a sufficient condition for a rope sure, suspension. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, then I would check with the host, uh, especially for a house party, but for any kind of party, what is allowable and appropriate. Uh, is it okay to have nudity in the scene? Is it okay to have sexual elements uh, to the scene? And you have to keep in mind that because a certain partner is okay with penetration during rope play at home does not mean they would be okay with penetration in public. So like yeah. they might have a different set of limits and rules when you're playing in public. Um, yeah, protocols and uh, I would also ask about what's okay um, in the sense of using up the resources, like if I do a 45 minutes in that room around that time, will it bother the rest of the party or will it be okay? Yeah, yeah. And also if you understand how many rope people are there, that also helps you understand who yeah. might want to because there have been parties where we've only had a couple of riggers and the other one's not tying that night in which case it's it's pretty chill you can use it as, as for you sure. like for sure uh, I would also wonder if the party is going to be restricted to vetted members of the king community or if it's more of a semi-public venue where like for instance we've, we've had a party in a club where uh, customers and patrons are actually present which, to be honest, I didn't love. Mm. Uh, and that's something I would want to know in advance because I'm not going to handle my scene in the same way at all if there are randos versus people I have a higher level of trust in. Yeah, totally. And also the level of um, privacy that the bottom might want in terms of how much clothes they take off or in terms of mm -hmm. what they actually want to do um, is going to change for a lot of people if there are non-kink people in that area, yeah. for sure. 
so that's the before. Uh, for the during, in general, I would try mostly to forget about the audience and really focus on my partner. Yeah, that seems that seems like good advice. Uh, because otherwise, it becomes very easy to lose the connection that you have with your it partner. Really, it really is. And I don't think any rigger especially wants to be tying up someone who's chatting to their friend at the same time. <laughs> Uh, I think mostly bottoms prefer to have a rigor focused on them rather than looking the hot, at the hot girl getting her ass banged uh, six feet away. Stop me if I'm wrong. So uh, unless, my, <laughs> unless my scene calls for a specific element of exhibitionism, humiliation, audience participation, I would not interact with the audience at all during the tie. Yeah, and that can be hard because certainly when you're starting, sometimes people, I think, don't count the tying, which is cray, don't yeah. count the tying as part of the scene, so they think they can chat with you. Whereas, like, for, for us, that's, a, you know, a huge part of the scene. Just, I feel like some people think that it's the actual being in suspension that's the scene, whereas, of course, the tying yeah. is a huge yeah. part of it. And yeah. so they feel like, oh, I didn't really think you were actually started yet. Like, that's, no. that's actually very relevant and the same applies to the untying also like oh you yes. were you were untying so your scene was finished no no like if we're untying the untying is very much part of the scene for us yeah yeah so that actually takes us to after the scene so what um what should we be doing to make it go well uh, well you should know your aftercare needs and that of your partner and ideally you will have discussed that beforehand and i would say even more so uh, counterintuitively, if you're doing pickup play, you don't know that person. Do they like to be cuddled? Do they do they like to be left the fuck alone? Like you can't know that unless you ask, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you do what you can to organize the type of aftercare you guys both need uh, in the party setting. So that might mean going to a less crowded part of the party for your aftercare. That might mean asking if you can use a bedroom or something for a few minutes for your aftercare. Um, uh, some people like to bring a blanket or a flannel they can cover themselves with and that gives them more of a sense of safety during their aftercare period. Um, yeah, and also yeah. one point that's relevant in a group setting like that is who will you aftercare with? Yeah, yeah. So if you have friends with you, if you have your rigger, if you have your partner, if your rigger doesn't like to cuddle, then maybe you want your friends to cuddle with you mm -hmm. um, and you can ask them. Also, you can find one setting which I will say out of the gate is not my favorite, where one rigger is set up in one corner of the party and will just tie up people uh, in succession. And like once they finish with one person, they will move on to the next. And then if you're a bottom who needs aftercare, uh, which I think is most people, you'd better have someone lined up to take care of you because the guy is just going to move on to the next person after you. Yeah, yeah. And there's also some negotiating between rigger and partner as well in terms of uh, reconnecting with your partner afterwards and making sure that you and your rigger have good connection and both get what you need, etc. So there's a few. It's quite a complex few to negotiate there. Yeah, yeah, there's some delicacy for sure. So um, what kind of we've done by now quite a lot of work at parties, I think. Um, more than I ever expected. <laughs> yeah. Um, we go to a lot of parties and we pretty much do work for all of them now. So what kind of scenes have been your favorite um, scenes? Uh, we've done quite a bit of uh, inverted suspensions together. Um, uh, yeah. The dungeon we play at has a nicely set up block and tackle that's on... Um, 
the word escapes me for the moment, but it can uh, it can pivot, it can uh, rotate. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can do some very nice things with that. You can twirl your partner around a bit. So we have uh, we have had quite a lot of success with that, and it's something that gets you pretty spacey, right? Yeah, for sure. I love inversions. They're, they're my favorite. Uh, a hip harness or gravity boots, and full inversions as well. They're my probably the ones that I like best. So what uh, what does that do for you being in that spacey situation in a party setting? Uh, that's a good question. I I mean, if I have people that I care about around me, then it makes me more relaxed. And I guess it's a bit like um, having a glass of wine or something like that, uh, mm -hmm. which um, I don't really drink. So it's a um, intoxication of of a sort. Um, but also in other situations i am very introverted and i need i don't want to have to interact with people mm. uh, after my scene necessarily and sometimes depending on the scene and the intimacy um sometimes for quite a long time i don't want to have to like talk to people so there's i guess two different uh modes there all right um so you have your small more intimate scenes like the one we talked I think a couple times about uh, first scene we did together at that auction party but do you also sometimes like to uh, be a bit more showy with your rope at parties yeah I think that's developed um, more as our connection is developed and as our um, comfort level with each other has developed and, and our abilities I guess as well mm -hmm. uh, that I enjoy sharing that connection and sharing our rope with other people so do you um, have an example of a time you did that um i think we did we went to a party which was space themed recently and um we did a nice side suspension mm -hmm. um that lasted for a long time was uh nice to hold like it didn't some suspensions obviously are very painful and this one was quite comfortable um and i was very spacey in it for sure and quite it was a very playful uh suspension mm -hmm. um and that was um that was a nice one and people uh, i got comments from people on the energy between us in that rope which was nice um i don't know if it was showy but it was like more nicer and and more shared with an audience we did have quite a lot of people watching that one for some reason yeah, and I guess it, the fact of having a theme that connected to the theme of the party already makes it more uh, performance-like, I suppose. Yes, yes. You were dressed as Fox Mulder, obviously, and we had the X-Files music, which was kind of fun. Yeah, I had a good time with that. Uh, did you have less positive experiences playing rope at parties? Uh, yeah, we've had some less successful ones for sure. I mean, tying with new people is always interesting. Sometimes that goes well, sometimes it isn't as good yeah um we also had uh the suspension in the club that you were talking about which was pretty yeah well that was an interesting one because actually the the suspension itself was great like it was gravity boots it was spinny um it was really nice but the tying because there were so many people like around us touching us it was cold it was really dirty the suspension type meant that you had to tie me when I lied was lying on the floor mm -hmm. and that and was gross. It, it was not a very nice floor was it, it was a bit of, of a, on the sticky sure end of the spectrum I wouldn't do it again like 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, everyone likes different things, but uh, yeah, playing in a club like that, that wasn't for me for sure. Yeah, and then also we did one um, where I'd eaten too soon uh, yeah. and we had some tummy rope and uh, it's one of the, I don't call scenes very often because obviously, but that one I just couldn't, I felt like I was going to throw up. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good point. We mentioned the alcohol, but if there's a lot of food at the party, yeah. it might be tempting to partake, but then your rope might be affected. Yeah, I mean, I think I ate before, but it was, nonetheless, I had a very full stomach and um, it was not nice. But uh, on, on balance, you would say that you enjoy robot parties despite those few uh, less successful experiences yeah for sure for sure and you've had experiences with a lot of other people as well um, I've had a few also so what kind of things of those have um, been successful I have enjoyed the dynamic when some um, bottoms have an exhibitionist element or a self-competitive element and putting them in difficult situations in front of people really uh, stoke their fire in terms of them wanting to uh, to push themselves. So that was yeah. That was yeah. Quite nice. You've done both humiliation with some people and also quite a lot of exhibitionism, exhibitionism with people. And also, I guess there's something about trying out different things. It's another opportunity to experiment with the rope that we learn and we look at with new people. Sure. Uh, so anyway, dear listeners, uh, please leave us a comment on the FetLife writing for this episode, letting us know how you feel about robot parties, uh, do you like it, do you prefer to play at home, and what were your um, positive or less positive experiences about that. And that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, so iTunes or Stitcher, and come and friend us on our FetLife page, which is Rope Podcast No Space. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com. We love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. Bye.